Welcome to Cellmates. Welcome to Cellmates. Well, Dick Ward. Hey, Kate Phillips. It's so exciting to be here with you be, yeah. uh, as we take two animated movies, Ooh. like our podcast does, Yeah. compare, contrast, and generally throw a Venn diagram over them. Dang. Yeah. yeah. Often, Ooh. these movies are Disney. But not always. Often, they are musicals. But not always. Often, they are good. But not always. And Dick, it's so nice to be here in this very festive atmosphere. Yeah, it really is. We've uh, really decked out the recording studio. Yes, our uh, our recording studio that has couches and the bed that we sleep in. Uh, in it. Yeah, I, I mean, you yeah. could call it an apartment. But I mean, we live here, but only for the podcast. Only, yeah, only yeah. for the recording. We moved into the studio. That's what happened. Sure. Uh, yeah, we got some like light strings all around the place. We got some and- penguins. Yeah, lots of penguins, uh, a tree, Mm -hmm. well, a fake tree. Yeah. So, Dick, happy holidays. Happy, hey, Sam. Yeah. Right back at you. Ah, well, um, Dick, in this, on this festive day, what, what is the drink that you are drinking? What am I drinking? I am drinking a beer. It is uh, brownish, like a darkish brown. Thank you for visually describing it for the listening audience. <laughs> well, they, you know, it could be golden. Oh, well. Or it could be like a very dark brown, but it's a brownish brown. Uh, it is uh, Delirium uh, Noel. Noel. Uh, it is uh, kind of festive spiced, sort yeah, of. Yeah, it's the same as the regular Delirium, but festive, yeah. right? Like I, It's fine. The elephant's got a Santa hat on it on the bottle. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, this beer is fine. Uh, the <laughs> bottle is really nice, though. It's really good looking. It's a really good bottle. It's so festive. Oh man, that's kind of a metaphor. And you might uh, for one of the movies we're going to be talking about. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, and you might say that the delirium would kind of be like a a weird subversion Ooh. of a beer, but Noel. The holiday version. Uh, I don't know. Dick, what? If you were going to mention a movie that is like, I don't know, like holiday themed, but like a little bit twisted. Ooh. What what movie would come to mind? Well, Gremlins. Oh. Well, it's Gremlins too bad we do mind. two animated feature oh, films. Oh, if I was picking an animated movie that was like Christmas, but like subverted. Yeah. I mean... It's probably something that comes from the twisted mind of Tim Burton. Whoa. Yeah. Like Edward Scissorhands? Like Edward Snowden hands. What a great Christmas movie. But still not animated. Oh. Let's, uh, let's try again. Uh, the Grinch Before Christmas. The Grinch Before. That's kind of this movie. That's kind of. Um, if you had to say a second movie. I would say The Nightmare on Elm Street. Two part two, Nick Klaus. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Night. So we the movies we watched. Ta da! Uh, were Klaus and Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Yeah. So night before Nightmare Before Christmas, a holiday classic. Depending on who you ask, maybe a different holiday for some than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like thirty years old. Klaus just came out this holiday season, and it's um, Netflix's first animated feature film original 
content. Yeah. Um, it's created by other people. It's not like it's not like an in-house team, but right. it's still like they are the, the f- distributor. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, put these together for reasons, some of which we have already weirdly mentioned, yeah. but maybe we should do it more. Yeah. So so they both kind of tell kind of an origin story. A Christmas origin story. They kind of subvert the traditional Christmas story. It's, and both are on the surface about bringing Christmas to a new place that has never had Christmas before. Mm-hmm. And that place is dark. Yeah. And very gray toned. Very gray and very like... The people are creepy. Very scary. A little violent maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. They, these movies, like, they do tie together in a really interesting I'm way. I'm excited to talk about them because yeah. they are different, but it's it's neat to kind of swirl around a theme. It's almost as if this is a great concept for a podcast yeah, that we've almost, created. It's almost like this is what we do every two weeks. Normally. <laughs> Normally. Normally. We we are so grateful to only be doing it every two weeks oh, for a while. Uh, yeah. We had to take out the microphones again out of their pack after they had been just standing in our apartment for 30 days for uh-huh. our 30 days of plus adventure. Yeah. We finally got to put them away and like didn't see them for a week. It was so nice. Yeah, and this is our first recording since the end of 30 it days. Is. So, so wh- I, I want to say again, <clears throat> thank you to anyone who's uh, who listened to to uh, any day. To any day. Uh, and if you made it through all 30 days with us, thank you. We Congrats. appreciate the support. Um, and uh, and uh, thank you for bearing with us as we transition back to this format, which we've we're... kind of forgotten how to do. Yep. <laughs> Even though we did two of them during that we 30 We did. Um, however, Dick, yeah. for the first time in forever, um, <laughs> one of our, this is the first. Um, like original format cellmates episode that we have been able to watch one of the movies on Disney Plus. Yeah, that's true. Because we were dummies, and the two episodes that we did record during Thirty Days of Plus were all movies that are not Disney. Yeah, they're not even Disney owned. It was a poor choice. That was dumb. Um, but now we can. <laughs> but now we can see yeah. at least one of these movies. So let's start with that one, okay. which is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. Uh, Dick, what is your history oh, with this movie? Oh, settle in. This movie and I have some history. Um, so I, I saw this like in the theaters when it came out, I think. Yeah, it sounds right. I was in age. Um, I was in seventh grade when this came out on uh, VHS okay. or DVD. I know that because uh, I got an F. In my algebra class. Oh, no. Yeah. And I knew that. And my mom knew that. But my dad did not know that. And report cards went home like the week before Christmas. And mom's like, look, I'm not going to tell him till after Christmas. But after Christmas, I'm going to have to tell him. So the entire time we're watching this, we're watching this like Christmas Eve. I just have this gut. Oh, no. Gut-wrenching feeling. So I'm like trying to enjoy the movie and I can't. Aww. So that's my most memorable oh. uh, yeah, experience with this movie. Um, but also, you and I saw it um, recently. We did. Live. We did. We got, so my history with this movie is I only saw it a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Um, I saw it while I had adult strep throat. 
Um, and I figured, what's a movie I can watch? This one. Yeah. I think it must have been on Netflix or something because I think it just popped up. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, I haven't seen this one yet. Um, and, yeah, so I was aware of it growing up but didn't really know what it was. Mm. Didn't My brother went through, like, a Jack Skellington, not really a phase. Like, he wasn't, like, goth and didn't shop at Hot Topic. Yeah. But, like, that was the thing he wanted when we went to Disneyland. It was Jack mm. Skellington yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the second time I saw this movie was with you. At, that was the second time you'd seen yes. it? Wow. Yeah. Um, was with you at the Barclays Center, big big old uh, arena mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, and it was live to music with the original cast. Like, yeah. Danny Elfman is there singing and maybe conducting the orchestra, too. I, I think, Catherine I think O'Hara he was, was there. conducting and singing. Yeah. I think so. So it was the movie... I mean, it, uh, if you've listened to our Little Mermaid live episode, yeah. uh, similar to that format, where it's just the songs that they are and performing very, live, and it's the movie in between. Yeah, and very much concert format, where they're not like putting on scenes and stuff. They're just yeah. standing in front of a microphone yeah. and singing. But yeah, Catherine O'Hara, uh, Danny Elfman, and surprise, Greg Proops. Surprise. I forgot he was in this movie. I don't know <clears throat> that he is. He is. Did you see him in the credits? Yeah. He wasn't playing the part that... That what was he? Wasn't he what? one of like the lock, shock, and barrels? Yeah, that he wasn't credited as such. Yes, he was. What? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, Greg Proops, Catherine O'Hara, and Paul Rubens. Oh, uh, okay. Who I don't believe I saw Danny Elfman as one of those characters in the end credits that we saw. That might have been like a singing voice because mm. he's only the singing voice of Jack Skellington. That is, and, and I learned that today. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, because he's not a singer uh no <laughs> but he also isn't an actor so that's fair uh, i guess he's a musician yeah anyway okay um, do you have a cookie timer i do have a cookie timer okay. ready um yeah because i guess we can talk about our live concert experience after we've kind yeah. of hashed out the plot Ab- of this absolutely um all right cookie timer all right so dick in two minutes you are going to outline the basic plot of The Nightmare Before Christmas. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Spook, boot, go. Cultural appropriation. <laughs> the musical. The musical. <laughs> Olaf's Frozen Adventure. Okay, so Jack Skellington is a hero in this Halloween town. Uh, he uh, is like the best scarer. He's the sully. And he's a little bored and he goes for a walk. He's like depressed. He's bored of scaring people. And he finds this door with a tree on it. And he goes in and it's a town called Christmas Town. And he's like, what's this? Holy crap. This is great. I want to do Christmas. So he goes back to Halloween Town. And he's like, ladies and gentlemen, I've got, I've got a Christmas for you. And they're all like, we kind of understand and he's like yeah just do it and so they he hires like some dorks to kidnap santa claus and he takes over for santa claus and he delivers presents to all the girls and boys but the presents are slightly evil or wacky or they're like severed heads severed heads and then he gets shot down uh, by the government and <laughs> Then he decides he's Halloween man. You got it. 
40 seconds left. What oh. else do you want to talk about? Well, there's a there's like a love story in this. <laughs> there's a character named Sally and she There is that. feeds this she feeds the guy who created her uh deadly nightshade and then goes off. Also there's um like a racist ass cartoon character yeah yeah the depiction is racist a, more than a, that. yeah a problematic ass uh oogie boogie man who's got a neat song filled with bugs yeah that's yeah set five four three two yep. what's this what's this what's this what's this cookies are done cookies yeah are done. that that's a good uh meta representation of this movie i mean there's not much a lot happens and then you kind of sit there for a while yeah i kate i wasn't trying to do a (laughs) short description i just like i went through the important story beats and i was like well i guess that's it this is an exercise so we talk sometimes about a lot of movies have a three act structure a lot Mm -hmm. of stories in general um this one is no different except for like act one is a lot of like front loaded content and like plot in terms of like what the rest of the movie is going to be. Act three is kind of action packed. The it's, it's wrapped up in weird ways, but it fine. Act two is a slog and it shouldn't be. Um, And I don't know if, you know, I don't know if kids had this experience in the original, but like every time I've watched it, that has been my experience, mm. and I always want it to be different. <laughs> yeah, this movie looks so cool. And it's always good to look at. And uh, just hey, uh, if if this is like your favorite movie, that's okay. Uh, yeah, good good for you. Uh, I like this movie. I do too. More than I. I I am not going to sound like I like this movie as much as I do. <laughs> I think it's a I think it's a good movie. I think it's really fascinating. Like it's well crafted. Like the craft of the movie is well crafted. Because it is it's ninety three. It is stop motion. It's beautiful. It looks like CGI. I mean, from yeah. the twenty nineteen eyes. Yeah. Like I can't believe that it's not CGI. Yeah. It's it's stunning. And it has story problems. And it has performance problems. And character problems. It doesn't really have characters. The movie doesn't... The one character it does have, it kind of fumbles in the... Yeah. The movie doesn't hold up under under much analysis. Um, But I really enjoy watching it. I enjoy... I really like listening to versions of the soundtrack. I think these songs... So it's, it's interesting. So this is... A musical. Mm-hmm. The other movie we're talking about is not. So let's Correct. talk a little bit about music now yeah. before we dive into the other. Yeah. Because I I am very interested in like musical theater soundtrack con- or like score construction. And I think, and Danny Elfman does everything here. He does music and lyrics and sometimes he's singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting, especially in like the first couple songs, which are kind of the more famous ones um, with a couple exceptions later on. Um he does so many things that are very interesting and at least for 1993 a little bit progressive in terms of musical theater writing that it's a little bit more 
Sondheim-y and like through mm-hmm. composed, except for he still has refrains and he has A sections and B sections. Yeah. But he's doing really interesting things with, especially with like back and forth dialogue in these that they they play like just regular book scenes yeah. set to music. And I think that's sometimes really hard to do to make it sound organic and natural yeah. and not just like, now there is a song. Everything has to rhyme. Like, is there a point where you think that? Is there like a particular song that you think is very effective? At, yeah. So at I that? think I for me, what's this is the best song in the whole thing. Yeah. Like, it is so clever. His his basically the refrain is what's this? What's this? Da, da, yeah. da, 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 and the words change every time. But he is being introduced to Christmas Town, and so he's identifying new gadgets and new phenomenons with every verse and then he has a bridge where he's like this is like this is the solution to my midlife crisis of like being bored of scaring people i have found it what's this and then it gets interrupted and it's it's almost um it reminds me in some ways of like a muppet movie Mm. and i mean that in general type of song where i remember listening to an interview with um brit uh, of the the one who did the Muppets soundtrack, Brett of um, oh, oh of Flight I of the Concords. Always forget Flight of the Concords yeah. that name. Yeah. Anyway, he was saying that it, in talking with all these you know Henson legacy people, the thing that like Jim loved about Jim Henson loved about Muppet songs is that they would like be very traditional up to a point, and then they would like break open like something ridiculous would happen you can't just end a song sincerely and I think this does that like one it's very fun in how it takes his surprise and his what's this and turns Mm -hmm. into music and then it ends with him crashing into a candy cane pole like yeah that's fun like he doesn't get a big ending for it it's really neat yeah and he uh I'd say this song uh has the most dynamics uh, as a song like yeah. it has it has some slow parts it has a really nice bridge mm-hmm. that kind of goes like legato and a little flowing and then jumps back to the da, 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 and da, that's da, the da, thing da, da, da. is that i think danny elfman is doing some really interesting things musical theater wise yeah. i also think he's missing some really important things to solidify mm-hmm. this this musical theater as something that drives the story as as opposed to just kind of like pauses it yeah and the next song is an example of that because the next song is him introducing Christmas to his Halloween people. Yeah. And lyrically and structurally, it's very much like what's this? And he's like, here's a new Christmas thing, da 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 da. And Halloween, and like the, the pattern is I mean, the yeah. Halloween people are like, oh, does it have bugs in it? Oh, can you rip off its head? And he's like, no, no. Okay, no. Yeah, whenever whenever I talk about uh, improv, one of the things I come back to is like, what is the game mm-hmm. of the scene or what is like, what is the game? Because the game is the joke. And so the game here is, hey, here's a present. Oh, is there a head in it? No. Okay, here's a sock. Oh. Is there a foot still left inside? Yeah. So yeah. it's, here's an innocent thing. Oh, we think of a horrible version of that. And so how Jack flips the game is because he wants to be able to celebrate Christmas in Halloween Town. Is that he then he's like, okay, I got to think of something that cool. So now Santa Claus is a monster, yeah. like, and that's how he introduces well Santa Claus um, to Halloween Town, and it's a fun turn. But the music doesn't support it as right. like a light bulb moment. Moment, it just feels the same as the other. There's verses. just like this weird aside. There's where a little he's like, sound effect. Yeah, 
And so, like, had he been working with someone with a little bit more experience in musical theater, I think that song could could possibly be the best one. Yeah. But yeah, the dynamics weren't there, and yeah. So it, so it's really interesting. I do want to give it because I think the music is really good, yeah. and like you said, like versions of it. Yeah, I'd I do want to redone. give a shout out to Nightmare Revisited, uh, which is an album where like a bunch of artists cover it. Oh. So this is Halloween is done by Marilyn Manson, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, the town meeting song uh, is mm-hmm. Polyphonic Spree, mm-hmm. which is very fun. And then Kidnap the Sandy Claws is Corn, oh. and it sounds just like you might think. So there's that's like, really neat. Yeah, it's it's like not necessarily all artists I love, but it's like they're well cast for this album. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's really it's really interesting. Well, I will be to. very interested in listening to that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well. We've been we've been on this for a little while. So yeah, let's, we have. Let's talk. What's the next movie we talked about? Klaus. 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 Uh, much easier. Much fewer syllables. Okay. What's your experience with Klaus? Uh, my experience with Klaus is that Netflix did that annoying thing where it just plays a preview without <laughs> you asking, but this time was like the one in one hundred times where it, I'm like, oh. Yeah. I think I need to see this. Yeah, it looked it, it was it was a great preview. There were jokes, the animation looked fun. Yeah. It is CGI, but it it um reminds me a little bit of how the character design looks in uh, into the Spider-Verse mm. where they're like a little bit like paper doll a little f- like a, flat design. A little flat yeah. and yet they're three-dimensional and it's just such a cool look. Yeah. Um and yeah, it didn't feel like it should have like it should have felt really obnoxious and it didn't. So just right there, I'm willing to give it a try. Like, like oh, I'm being forced this ad and I like it. Yeah. All right. Um, so then I watched it with you. Dick, what was your experience? Same. <laughs> um, and we this were is, there for all of it. This is uh, directed, written and directed. This Definitely is like created and directed. From the twisted mind. Of, no, this is uh, by Sergio Pablos, mm-hmm. who created Despicable Me. Yes. Uh, which you have not seen, is that I correct? I have not seen, but I've heard from everyone that it's great. Like surprisingly great. Um, yeah. So yeah, he had come up with this concept and I think had maybe even created like a storyboard children's book yeah. type of thing um, and then shopped it around and Netflix won. Um, so it's his, it's his studio that is based in Spain and the States. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you've got a you've got an American voice cast um, and obviously American distribution. Yeah. Netflix had did like a week in theaters, so it could be nominated for Oscars and oh, stuff. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, how cool! Like, hey, uh, I made Despicable Me. There's like a billion sequels. Yeah. I made some good money. I'm going back to Spain to start an animation studio. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't I don't need to live here. Yeah, like good good for you. Great. And uh, and it seems to have worked out well for him. Yeah, how'd it go thus far? How did, well, how's Klaus? Let me before before we uh-huh. give a, a more of a Ooh, not we review. Do a, We're we not a review a podcast. Timer? I want to do a cookie. I yeah. Podcast so Kate, timer. You've got words are hard. You've got two minutes now. I got two minutes, and you are having trouble with words. And so we saw this movie like in the middle of 30 Days of Plus, so I've yeah. seen a lot of things since. This will go really well. So two minutes Here we go. for the plot of Klaus. One, two, three, go. Uh, there's a guy. 
he's a rich kid and he's not very good at postal school so his dad's like nope you can't flunk out on purpose I'm sending you essentially to the North Pole and you must start a post office there that receives and uh, sends out 6,000 letters in a year otherwise I'm cutting you off you won't get from your our wealthy family yeah and he goes, uh-oh. So it's a little bit of like a Cusco situation where like he's always been spoiled and now he has to work for the first time. And um, he gets to this town and the town is famous for feuds. Um, there are two like factions of this town and everyone has beef with each other and that's just how it's been for hundreds of years and they're proud of their feuding heritage. So anyway, uh, no one sends letters to and from because they're very isolated and also no one is friendly. And um, so he decides to wrap it up. But anyway, um, the kid draws a picture because uh, he's sad and this, uh, he, this, he gets attached to him and it ends up with this big guy who like uh, Santa. And um, Santa decides to give a toy to him because he's sad. And then um, someone else, bring, another kid brings this little kid, this little postal worker a letter. He's like, oh, this is how I'm going to get the 6,000 letters. I'm going to deliver kids' letters to this old man he's gonna give them their toys and then it's gonna be that way forever and ever well it turns out santa only has a limited amount of toys but it's this big phenomenon he's right like all these kids bring the letters and then santa um runs out of toys but oh no he's got to make new toys but he doesn't want to because his wife died and that's all the toys they had for their kids that never were born and so he's like nope i quit and then the postal worker's like no you have to go on and so they get elves from a neighboring town and they start making more toys and then and the dad comes back. He's like, congratulations, 6,000 letters. But Elfman is like, nope, I got to stay in this town. And then they basically b- deliver Christmas to this town. <laughs> it didn't help that I didn't remember anyone's names. No. Um, that was like how I normally describe movies. I guess this his guy. name was Klaus, not Santa. Yeah, his name, his name was Klaus. Klaus. But he was basically Santa. Well, I mean, it's confusing. Sometimes it's a movie like Coco. Where the uh, movie is not named after the main character. Jesper is the main character. Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, and you said you said he reminds me. you of who? Kuzco. So who's Kuzco? Kuzco uh, is the co-protagonist in the movie Emperor's New Groove, the title character. Um, co-protagonist. Co-protagonist uh, who turns into a llama and has to be selfless and help others in order to be turned back into a human. Yeah. Similar arc for this character, Jasper. And similar vibe. Yeah. In, especially like at the beginning. I like forgot in a bunch of scenes that he wasn't being played by David Spade. Yeah. Like it's Jason Schwartzman doing his best David Spade. Kind of, right? But it's like, but it's very sincere. It yeah. doesn't feel forced or fake. Yeah. What you can't convey as much in a plot summary is that by creating this phenomenon of sad kids writing letters to this mysterious man who then delivers them toys that just bring them total joy, it transforms this town that is feuding. Mm-hmm. And the kids start doing, um, start, you know, playing with each other like, oh, that's a cool frog toy. You live across the fence from me, but let's play together. Yeah. And then it does this thing. And I think, Dick, as we were watching it, you described it as, they're doing this thing that I hate in most movies, but I don't mind here. Where they're like one at a time, they're giving like a little, um, just a little nod to a backstory of yeah. just about every popular Christmas tradition. So yeah. like 
there's this one bully kid who like throws a snowball at Jesper at one point and he writes a letter and Jesper's like, oh no, Santa, like this guy doesn't deliver toys to naughty kids. Yeah. There's a list. He knows if you've been bad or good. So it's moments like that where like, again, like it, it, it is written in. It is not the like the subtlest. Right. <laughs> but I, they're cute. They're all well brainstormed. And I think part of what makes it better for me in this is that I don't know how the coal thing got started. Also, the the whole Santa thing is like a legend or a myth or whatever yes. that's been passed down verbally. Yes. So if it's like, hey, this is the actual way it happens, like, oh, okay, how about it? Yeah. But because of that naughty nice thing, the kids start doing good deeds around town and they you know, they uh wear off on their adults and the and adults start doing nice things and so then it becomes this, like, it's not two feuding factions. It's the ruling class who want to keep people at each other. Yeah. And then everyone else who's like, oh, no, it's better to be nicer. No, it's better to be good to people. Um, so Jesper ends up saving uh, Klaus. Yeah. Um, but, but, well, trying to. Klaus and the school teacher in the town actually had the plan. But, yeah. Um, because these warring leaders try to overthrow Klaus and uh, sabotage his gift-giving initiatives. But they lose because love wins. So this movie's great. This movie was so fun to watch. And it's so sweet. And it's so, like, it's really good. Yeah. And I'd say, like, it mixes the kind of, like, dark... Uh, the like kind of dark humor and kind of ugliness that uh, Nightmare does, mm-hmm. um, and I think it does it really well. And it and it delivers kind of a single-minded message mm. that like y- the season, you know, it takes the the idea of like the Christmas season is about joy and giving, and and it brings it to life, yeah. and that's what it is about. It is about all these like selfish. Um, self-centered characters realizing that there's something bigger between them and life goes much happy much more happily much more smoothly when you work together and you are kind to one another instead of just worrying about yourself yeah and it works for several characters and several communities in the film um so it feels very cohesive. Like yeah. someone thought about these stories. So, so this story and the storyboarding and everything. I guess let's let's focus on that for a minute. Mm-hmm. The mess, like this film, like you said, the message is: if you do something for other people, it's good. It's contagious. Yeah, yeah. it's contagious. Yeah, and, and they, so much better. They keep saying like mm-hmm. one unselfish act, mm-hmm. right? Wait, was that this movie? Yeah, yeah, that's this one. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. One unselfish act begets another, or it's like some phrase like that, yeah. and they, it comes up several times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's like we. That is the thesis of this movie: is if you do something nice, mm-hmm. that's good, and other people will also do nice things. Yeah. What is? What oh is the the overall theme slash? Uh, meaning slash purpose of Nightmare Before Christmas. So I've got think? some things it could be okay. or it could have been. <laughs> At times it is um uh the at uh, at times it is 
turning over a new leaf can reinvigorate your life. Okay. At times, it is trying to take someone else's traditions without the right research or resources can be disastrous. Uh-huh. And then at times, it is... Um, all is forgiven if you save the day. Mm-hmm. And at times it is isolation uh, is not good and working together is good. Which is to say, I don't know. Yeah, I think my my idea of what it wants to be is um, be who you are. Like be yourself. Oh, yeah. Because I, I feel like that's... Like, the movie has, like you said, a couple of different thrusts. It goes in a couple of different directions. But I think, like, you know, Jack tries to be someone that he's not, and mm-hmm. it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, be the best you that you can be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, on that level, his it's a little bit Wizard of Ozzy, right? Like, there's no place like home. Yeah. Um, it's kind of his... A culmination, but it does. It isn't supported by anything else in the movie. What it could have been is and like a, a, a real commentary on a cultural appro- appropriation. Yeah, and it like gets like three quarters of the way there, and then it's fumbled in the third act. So let's let's talk about that. Do you think? Do you think that's what they were going for? Do you think there was an intent to say like, hey? Like, if you just grab the trappings of a celebration, mm-hmm. like, like because th- this is this is supposed to be a Christmas movie, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Christmas movies always have like a pretty easy message, yeah, generally. And do you think this was maybe like a true mean, like a Charlie Brown true meaning of Christmas is about more than? presence and being santa and decorations and stuff the true meaning is the intent behind all that yeah i think it's a little it's like a it's a more obtuse telling of the grinch who stole christmas right like that's um, how the grinch stole christmas how the grinch stole christmas we've called that so many, so many things, things today the grinch before christmas the grinch before christmas is my favorite um but it and it is one of um burton's influences in the original treatment of this which was back in the early 80s when he worked for Disney the first time. Mm. Um, uh, So, yeah, there's a little of that, but I don't... Yeah, I think they needed to hit it a little bit more times. Like, that message is there, but it's not very clear. Yeah. It's obscured by a lot of other things. I think that's a good way to put it. It is obscured by other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't necessarily think that in 1993 we're thinking about cultural appropriation. Right. There, it, what it kind of seems like to me is maybe a few writers had that in mind and mm. like tried to poke it in there, like, uh, hey. Um, but then the at the end, right? Like, ja- okay, so Jack is having a midlife crisis. Yeah. He's bored of Halloween. He finds this new thing, Christmas, and he's like, "This is so cool." I want to bring this to everyone I know because this is what I want to do now. Yeah. I don't want to do Halloween this anymore. This is my new thing. This is my new thing. And then they do it all wrong, right? Like yeah. they, they, he does all these tests and tries to make Christmas an equation, and like you can't, 
you you can't quantify yeah. Christmas. Um, and it, then you see that it goes terribly wrong when he tries to be Santa Claus for the real world because the premise is that there are these different holiday lands and then on their holiday, the people, the inhabitants of these holiday towns go out into like earth <laughs> and spread Halloween spooks or Christmas cheer it, it, or... Let me tell you this. Easter sweets. I, I never understood that. <laughs> I This is the first time that I understood that because... We never see the real world during Halloween. No. So we don't. That's a when good point. He, when Jack gets the sleigh and goes out delivering presents at Christmas, yeah. I was always under the impression that this was part of Christmas town. Yeah. This was just like people that live in Christmas town. That's yeah, fair. But it makes more sense that it's people in the real world. Mm-hmm. But I think that like the art style between Christmas town and the real world is not different enough because they're just yeah snowy. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Uh, but it is it is fun that it's not just like, oh, this is now a new, like, goth way of doing Christmas. Like, kids open boxes and there's a severed head and they're, yeah. like, terrified. They're not happy about <laughs> not it. Not pleased. Yeah. The police keep getting called for this terrible skeleton man no. who is running around dropping atrocities in people's homes. So it's neat that, like, he is not successful in this thing that is bringing him life. And that is one of my favorite parts of this movie. Uh And I wish wish we had less of all of the stuff leading up to this in in Act 2, this very long, slow Act 2. I wish we had, like, less of Sally and the Night... Sally is... Sally and Oogie Boogie are interesting characters on their own. Oogie Boogie, incredibly problematic, but like visually interesting. Um, His song is fun, if incredibly problematic. It's one of the more dynamic pieces of music in the movie. The thing with Oogie Boogie, like, is he is a gambling jazz... Burlap sack filled with bugs. And, like, the only black character or the only character voiced by a black man like it's it's taking a trope from old um cartoons (laughs) yes cartoons yes where like you know you would um like the devil might be like uh like like he'd get you into gambling and he'd play jazz and like yeah like it's a it's a really problematic trope um and they used it for no, for no reason. You can take Oogie Boogie out of the movie and I lose nothing of right. the story, nothing but, of the characters. Like, I, he's so shoehorned in there right. that, like, it just doesn't make sense. Right. But also, like, there's no reason for him to be a gambling boogeyman. There's no reason no. for him to be jazzy. Like, if there was any like intent behind this besides I think this is cool. Yeah. Then he could be a lot more interesting. And I, I love like uh, problematic or not. I love the character of Oogie Boogie. I love Oogie Boogie's song. It's such a great song. It's well sung. Uh, it's, he's so fun to watch, but at the end of the day, like you said, he doesn't have any impact. Yeah. He's just kind of a cul-de-sac. 
I mean, and Sally is the same way. Yeah. She's got, I think, a lot more potential because in so many ways, like, she's designed as a foil to Jack. Yeah. Um, that she is, like, thinking ahead to, like, oh, stealing Christmas might be problematic in the long run. Like, she's getting these premonitions she's that, like, like yeah, everything's going to go up in flames. And, like, she's asked to design his Santa costume. She's like, this just feels really wrong. Yeah. So, like, she has this foresight, but then it doesn't really amount to anything. I guess she finds that Santa has been kidnapped a second time by Oogie Boogie before Jack does. So, like, maybe she prolongs the, like, she buys them time. But, like, they have this weird, like, then getting together as a couple at the end that's really not... That's not well, like, uh, built up to it all besides the fact that they are over, male and female let's go over hero their characters. Um, oh my gosh. She uh, has been locked uh, presumably in this like tower. She's a Frankenstein monster. Yeah. But she's, she's been def- sewn together. And she's been locked in this tower for a while. Yeah. She escapes the tower. Mother Gothel's monster. And sees Jack. She escapes the tower again and gives Jack like some wine. But doesn't say hello to him. But like then disappears. And then the third time. They're in the uh, same scene together. He knows her name. Yeah. And knows that she's like creative and innovative and that she can sew. He's like, make me the Santa Claus suit. And she's like, oh, this is a problem. He's like, no, only someone like you. Like. My dear friend. My dear. Who I've never shared what? an actual scene with in this movie up oh, to this point. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's very like, well, we've got a boy and a girl. Let like Bartok needs a girl bat at yeah. the end of the movie. It kind of feels like that. So but um On the other hand So I, I was gonna say Klaus, Klaus seems very um deliberate in its characters. I mean, so there is there's a romance subplot, mm-hmm. but it's better done than this. Like it is. I mean, it is more or less predictable. It's hard not to be better done than this. Yeah. Um, but I, I but will all say, all the characters are really interesting in Klaus. The main yeah. characters, for sure. I don't care for the romance subplot. No, that's fine. Because I don't. I don't feel it's like. Similarly, I don't feel like it's earned. Yeah. There's not really like a um, a love. A love story between these two, between no. uh, it's uh, what's his name, Jas- Jesper, Jesper, and and the Rashida um, Jones. Yeah, the 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 town's teacher who, uh, when we first meet her, she's a fishmonger, Miss Alva. Miss Alva, she's a fishmonger mm-hmm. uh, in a school. Right, and she's like, look, kids don't. I come. came to this town to be a teacher, but yeah, no one's sending their kids. Kids don't want to learn. So I sell fish. Mm-hmm. I'm saving up enough money to get out of here. Don't rock the boat. And he's I been, sell fish. He's like the the postman mm-hmm. that's been assigned to this place where no postman has ever succeeded. Right. So there's kind of a um, they they're kind of similar characters. She's the jaded version of him. Right. Um, and so there's like a nice friendship that develops between them. And a little bit of like an antagonistic mm-hmm. uh, relationship, even though they're on the same side. And it's very nice, like watching them um, both kind of evolve in their like yeah, and, teaching and postal careers. Yeah, and the idea is that once the kids really get excited about writing letters to Santa, they want to go to school to learn how to write their names and write a letter to Santa and ask him for what they want. And, and 
it's really like there's a scene where she's like doing her first class. Yeah. And she shows one of the kids how to write her name and like the kid goes ballistic and they're all so excited. Tell me how to write my name. Tell me how to write my name. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. It's it's a really cool scene. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like the the romance between those two, I feel like is not super earned. Yeah. I feel like it would be more of a. So what I thought was going to happen in this movie. So spoilers. um, Once. Uh, now. Klaus and <laughs> now it's spoilers. Miss Elva and other people who want Christmas to be a thing. Yeah, they basically are. They're like, well, all these presents. Like, we need a couple more letters. Yeah, let's make Christmas and presents a thing. Is the conceit. Yeah. Um. So once they save it from the people who want to still be feuding, um, the, it becomes a tradition in the town that every year at Christmas, Klaus mm-hmm. brings everyone presents. But after like a dozen years, Klaus, who is old, mm-hmm. um, passes away. But still someti- somehow Christmas comes to the town every year. I mean, we assume he passes away. Yeah. It's kind of like he's he joining his wind wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just walks into the distance. He walks into the distance. But yeah, we And no we one can find him. Klaus has passed away. Yeah. But the presents are still being delivered. But the presents are still being delivered. And what you see in the end is that Jesper... It's like, you know, Christmas several years later, they bo- they have kids, they've settled down as a family, mm-hmm. and uh, um, they put the kids to bed on Christmas, he waves his wife goodnight, and then he waits by the fireplace mm-hmm. to see his friend, which is really sweet. And then you never... And then you don't, like, it's just, it ends with him waiting yeah. and, like, smiling. You don't see Klaus come back, yeah. so it's kind of like... Which is cool. It's kind of like, oh, is is he really back, or is it just, like, the tradition... That's keeping alive. Yeah. So what I thought was going to happen is that there's a little bit of a time lapse at the end that shows Christmas happening a couple of years in a row. And um, Jesper starts to grow a mustache and his hair gets a little gray. So I'm like, oh, he's the next Santa. Oh. And so I thought it was more of like, a well, we're putting the puzzle pieces into place for like there has to be a Mrs. Claus. Yeah. So that's her. So I thought they were doing that. That's not what they were, that's doing. Not what they were doing. And that's fine. Yeah. But that would, I guess, maybe give a little bit more impetus for a romance for like, because well, there has to be a Mrs. Claus. Even though there's not a Mrs. Claus. Well, she died. But <laughs> it's part of the, his story. Uh-huh. Anyway, this movie is great. Yeah, and it I, looks great. It too. does. It does have one romance that I really do love, mm. and that's between the two barely verbal <laughs> giant children of the feuding of families. the feuding lords. Yeah, uh, they're it's like pumpkin and this something, and like Ugg. Or they something. are. They're like the the giant Muppets, like the Sweetums type. Like I think they're both voiced by uh, the director. The, yeah, by Sergio. Uh, yeah, they're just they're just giant. Giant children, yeah. His the big sons, big daughter, yeah. Uh, and they they have like a very weird love at the end where they find each other, and uh, a pumpkin yeah. I think just grabs the guy and she's like mine. Yeah, that's like her line. The whole movie is very cute. Yeah, this it, it's it's really refreshing to see a children's animated feature film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, especially one that's coming out on just a streaming network mm-hmm. that is really faithful to like good storytelling doesn't need that many characters that I know yeah. by name. 
it needs some good, um, you know, silhouette contrast. Yeah. Um, Jesper looks very different from Klaus, looks very different from these giant, like, child human adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, this movie looks really good, too. Like, yeah. the characters are simple. The plot is very straightforward. The message is simple. But also, like, they like it's a Netflix movie. I was expecting the animation to be a little bit phoned in. Yeah. And it looks really oh, cool. Oh, great. Yeah, the animation's great. The designs yeah. are great. The, both of these movies use color in a really interesting mm-hmm. way, I find. Say more. Because uh, Nightmare Before Christmas starts in Halloween Town, which like kind of at the beginning is a colorful place. And then Jack goes to Christmas Town, and it's bright and shiny and bold you colors. Do, yeah, you don't realize the colors that you're missing in the palette. And then as soon as you go back to Halloween Town, it looks like it's in black and white. Yes. And like, I I wonder if there is a contrast. Like, yeah, I don't know if the color grade changes or they like dip out some contrast. Yeah. Or if it's just because you got used to Christmas Town. And then you, like you said, you go back to the palette of Halloween Town. Right. You realize the colors that you're missing. Yeah. And you're just like, whoa, this is drab. It's a really nice effect. Yeah. And Klaus does that as well. Klaus does the, the town of Smearinland. Smearinsburg. Smearin, yeah. Smearinsburg. Something like that. Smearinsburg. Um, Smearinsburg. You're right. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was land. Oh. Um, yeah, very gray in the beginning. You have these two like clans and one is all black yeah. and one is like pale blues mm. and then they have red hair. Like so yeah. there's the color pop. That's yeah. it. And it's very it's snow and that, covered. And that gray red hair skies. is still pretty like it's very it's muted. muted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um and like like Klaus and the toy shop and I mean not Klaus in the beginning, but once you introduce that um the one like Nordic girl who mm-hmm. keeps showing up at the post oh office. Oh my god, she's great. Trying to get a toy, but like she doesn't speak the same language, so she's just oh. speaking like I mean, I'm sure it's a language, but to us it just sounds like Swedish chef. Yeah. Um and he's like, I don't understand you. I don't know what you want. Um but eventually with the teacher's help, she gets her point across. But when she gets her toy, her whole clan of Nordic people come over and they're like, cool, we're on board to help you make toys. And like, they're all dressed in these bright reds and blues yeah. and golds. And they make a they make the ubiquitous Santa outfit for Santa. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. The color, the coloring and the lighting in this movie mm-hmm. and in... Nightmare Before Christmas, I think is very impressive for any kind of animation. But like, I just like, again, the fact that Nightmare is stop motion and one, it looks super smooth. Mm -hmm. And I know this is people's crafts. They know how to do it. But the lighting is so specific. Yeah. And so well orchestrated and art directed. Yeah. That it just... Again, like you just forget that it's any kind of animation, like CGI aside, mm-hmm. these are real. This is all real, <laughs> and it is like yeah. it's, it's it's technically just, live action. It's just you don't see any human parts. Like, yeah, and like, it's clay and plastic, and like I don't know if I had seen any stop motion animation that good mm-hmm. before this. And it's not. You've got like. You know, like what the Wallace and Gromit and all the things that that studio does get some prominence after this. But mm-hmm. like it very much looks like clay people and it's, 
you know, it's the storytelling and the character's expression that's fun. But, like, there's no hiding that it's, like, claymation. Yeah. This is, like, hard to tell what it is often. Yeah. And it's it blows me away still. That yeah. Like, and like like you said, like, ugh. if I was to see this today, mm-hmm. not not 1993, but like, or was it 93? 93. 93. Uh, but like today, and I hadn't seen it before, and you said, how do they do this? I'd say, oh, CG. Definitely. That's really cool CG. Yeah. And I feel like things like Klaus and Into the Spider-Verse are taking some of these stop motion techniques and putting them into their CG to make it a little bit more visually interesting. And it's not so like, um, I mean, the obvious punching bag is DreamWorks, but like DreamWorks goopy, where it's just everything is like weirdly fluid and rounded Mm -hmm. in a way where you're like, well, now I don't really care about looking at this. Yeah. Um, Like, and, and the Nightmare Before Christmas is a very... Um, artistically or aesthetically aesthetically unique style where it's like super grotesque and angular but Klaus isn't that much different in terms of like how how unique how how you can tell there's intention in we want to make these characters look different from your typical dreamworks or Mm -hmm. like I'm thinking of like the reef, like just like really general yeah. low budget animation where it's like there's a certain aesthetic there that was, I associate with those types of movies. Care put into yeah. making these these designs. These angles are on purpose. Yeah. It's like we are making an animated movie. It is not going to look like a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna look like a DreamWorks movie. Mm-mm. It's not gonna look like an illumination movie. Mm-hmm. It's going to look like its own thing. And I wonder how much of that is based in the kind of the iconic stop motion of these like 50s and 60s and 70s stop motion specials Mm. like Rudolph and all of those from that studio. Mm. Because I know that Tim Burton was influenced by that. Yeah. Like he credits Rudolph and the Grinch and then a poem it, like his original Nightmare Before Christmas is a three-page long poem yeah. that he wanted to make either into a short film or like a thirty-minute TV holiday special. And that like twas the nightmare before Christmas and yeah. all in the house, blah 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 blah. There was a severed head. Yeah, right? like that's that's this, the inspiration for this movie. Basically. Yeah. So I guess my question for you, Dick, is considering these like classics right like Rudolph airs every year I don't know when the last time I saw it was I think maybe sometime in college Mm. um and or the Grinch or something like how do these movies which are both aiming to be Christmas movies some Mm. people consider Nightmare Halloween movie or it kind of plays well I'll I'll tell you what Nightmare is definitely not a Halloween ride Mm. Uh, yeah thank you true. thank you disney it's a holiday overlay of Ugh. the haunted mansion at disneyland from like october 1st from like to january october 1st onwards it makes no sense it's a lot going on but how do these stack up dick as like like when you make a holiday movie the idea i think especially now is that it's going to be played every year yeah how do these both stack up in that tradition yeah like as as classics yeah as like holiday classics I think Nightmare, um, uh, like I said, Nightmare has a lot of faults. Uh, And 
I will. I would love to have it on mm-hmm. while I'm doing something else. I like, was yeah. Like it, last year, we uh, we hung out with your family and we like played a card game while a Christmas story was on, mm. which is I think mm-hmm. the optimal way to watch a Christmas story. Oh, yeah. I think that movie's fine. Um, I really love to tune in for parts of it, and then I just tune out for yeah. so much. Yeah, uh, that's fair. But it's like an eight-hour-long movie, so. <laughs> Um, like 90 minutes eight hours so yeah Nightmare Before Christmas I think is I think it's like 80% style mm. and 20% movie mm-hmm. like I love like it's also like the movie that uh, is single handedly responsible for Hot Topic succeeding as a brand yeah um, but yeah I so I think there's a style to it I think there's um, kind of a vibe that it gives off. There's kind of an attitude that it has mm-hmm. that I think is stronger than the movie itself. Mm-hmm. So like as a as a Christmas classic, like I don't know. Am I am I gonna have it on like in the background during a Christmas thing? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but like the the design, like not the characters, because I don't yeah. care so much about the characters, but the design of the characters, yeah. the character design. Yeah, like uh, you know, I'd put a I'd put a Jack Skellington on my Christmas tree. Yeah, huh. I kept um, wishing, and this is weird. I kept wishing that there were commercial breaks because I think I would have been able to appreciate. Because like this, this is a movie of individual scenes, mm-hmm. and. I don't think there's any scene in this movie that I don't like, but there's a lot of scenes that feel redundant in tone and arc that I'm like, oh, this is just kind of the same song, but a different character is singing it now. Yeah. Whereas like if it was punctuated by commercial breaks and like you said, if it's in the background, like, oh yeah, this scene. Oh yeah, this scene. But all in a row, it's kind of like, okay, so you had like three tricks (laughs) And you're just now cycling through them again. You're just doing them again. You're just kind of biding time. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. And, I and you know, knowing that this could have been a 30-minute holiday special instead of a full-length movie, I think is a missed opportunity. Hmm. Um, yeah. Because I think, like you said, like just stylistically this, I mean, it is a classic. Yeah. Like people know about this movie. People know what it looks like. Like it, it has cemented itself as a classic, but I think... I would per- personally enjoy it more. It's a little bit more condensed or broken up or and there's, something. There's nothing wrong. Like some of my favorite Christmas things are uh, the Christmas toy, mm-hmm. which is like 45 minutes. Yeah, something like that. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, the Bells of Fraggle Rock, like 20, 20 minutes. 20 minutes, yeah. Uh, oh my God, what else? Uh, Charlie, movies in Charlie general. Brown Christmas. <sighs> like I know you don't care for it. But Charlie Brown Christmas, 20, 30 minutes. But even like, it, it is a thing. Like, even the Christmas story is like 90 minutes it, without commercial breaks. There's no breaks. way that's true. That is absolutely true. That movie true. is eight hours long. And like, Elf isn't that long. Like, there is a, there's something to be said of like, this movie is going to be watched every year and it's going to be rotated with a bunch of other things that are watched every year. Make it short. Keep it to the point. Mm-hmm. Make sure every scene is one that someone wants to watch. Sure. Um, but yeah, but my point was, um, if you're making a Christmas movie and it is a half hour long, that's okay. Yeah. 
Because those are some, or The Grinch, that's the other one. Yeah, The Grinch is the most. I don't, I do not care to watch a two hour long or hour and a half long version of The Grinch. Yeah. I have not, I will not. Yeah. I don't need to see Jim Carrey or Mike Myers or whoever. Benedict Cumberbatch. I don't need to see that. Yeah. You know what I need? I need uh, Thurl Ravenscroft reading a little song poem. Yep. I need that dog well, the with Grinch antlers on. The slithers under a tree like a train. Yeah. And then just be done. Yeah. That's it. And this, like, I yeah, I could see this being tighter mm-hmm. if they got rid of some of the extraneous stuff and just told the story that they wanted to tell. Yeah. Which seems to be there's a skeleton man who runs, who's like kind of runs Halloween He's town. He's Halloween king. He's a Halloween king. He wants to do Christmas. And then he it realizes. It goes wrong. He gives it back to Santa. Yeah, I'm going to stay in my lane and do Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. I That would be a great 30-minute special. Yeah. Uh, Whereas Klaus, like, I might watch again in a week when we're with my family if my brother hasn't seen it. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, guys, we're watching Klaus. I really liked that movie. Yeah. It made me cry in a couple parts. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, yeah, it was warming. It was like, it, to me... A little bit more of what the traditional Christmas annual movie does of like, this is just warming enough, but also I'm having fun. Yeah. And also like it's very specifically holiday, like it's very festive in terms of like, oh, the, oh, the coal thing. Yeah. Oh, the reindeers are uh, being catapulted off this roof that, so they look like they're flying. It's, That's it's why reindeers fly. really easy to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. You can tune in and tune out mm-hmm. and still know exactly where you are. But it's got enough of a story that I'm like, that all right. you probably won't tune out. It makes its case for it being a separate thing. Like it, it makes its case as a, mo- as a new addition to yeah. an already packed field yeah. of holiday classics. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I think Klaus is gonna have some some real legs. Everyone I've talked to have seen it. It's like, oh yeah, this movie made me ball. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about children, but adults love yeah, it. I don't care about them. Yeah. Yeah. Dick, it might be time. Whoa! Already is it time to final cut, cut the final ribbons do the- on the. Prez, the holly, the... It's time for the final cut. Hey! Uh, final cut is, of course, a segment where we uh, do some more lightning round versions of uh, this freeform. That's what the intent is, but usually this is around a third of our episode. It's so. very slow lightning. <laughs> it's very, very slow, like lightning. So our first segment of the final cut yeah. is called Scene Shoutout. Ooh. Uh, where we shout out a scene from each movie. Dick, okay. do you have a scene in mind for either movie? Pick, pick one and I'll go. Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. Um, yes, there is a... There is a... So we, we talked about we kind of want um, Nightmare Before Christmas to go... Or maybe we talked about this off air, but we kind of want Nightmare Before Christmas to go farther one way or the other. Mm. I kind of want it to be either more of a sweet Christmas movie, mm-hmm. uh, like ten, like 10, 10%, 20% mm-hmm. more sweet Christmas movie, or 10, 20% more dark. Dark, weird, twisted. Dark, weird, twisted mm-hmm. Christmas movie. And I think... I think I would prefer it to go more in the the dark direction. Because why not? 
because like you've got that fun fish out of water thing yeah. where it's like, oh, I'm a skeleton man Take that scares of, people. Yeah. I'm trying to do Christmas. I'm not getting it right. And I think the scene that does that best is when Jack is delivering presents and it just like it cuts away to just like this kid and the kid is holding a present and his mom and dad come downstairs. They're like, what did Santa bring you? And he pulls out uh, a, like a shrunken, severed head. Ghoul head. <laughs> and it's, oh my God, it's so good. And like his face is quivering and then his there's like a pause. His parents like faint. And the scream and the faint. It yeah. Is, it is It is like just the right amount of like, this is dark uh-huh. and hilarious. Yeah. And I, I laughed out loud and I've seen it a bunch of times. And I, I think I even said, I'm like, that there's no way that's not in the trailer, mm-hmm. right? Like that is mm-hmm. that is a great scene, and I think that scene encompasses more of what I want this movie to be. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's my scene shout out for yeah. Nightmare. Since we are, I mean, we already talked about both. Uh, what's this is probably my favorite scene in the movie, mm-hmm. um, musically speaking, and like it, it's fascinating to me that Jack Skellington is so expressive and he does not have eyeballs. He has yeah. no pupils, irises. So, I mean, it's done basically through like eyebrow type motions yeah. with his like sockets, um, eyebrow and eyelid. But that's the scene where I noticed that I'm like, oh, I can tell he's like joyful and surprised. But how do I like he doesn't have eyes like that's yeah. where I noticed it. That I'm oh, like, that's interesting. You're that's... doing really cool things. And there's a little bit of um, a Bunsen honeydew effect where like the shadows in his sockets yeah. create a little bit of like a concentric circle. They give you a little bit of eye thing, but it is it's just it's really fun to see a lot of emotions on him. That's so neat. I never I never realized So I guess that. that's my scene shout out is Jack Skellington's non eyes. <laughs> okay, that's a scene. But no, but in the, in what's this the musical number of what's this yeah, is yeah. your is your scene. Because other yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. I was All gonna right. go with another one and now I'm oh, deciding. That's great. That's right. great. Nice. Do you have one in mind for Klaus? Yeah. I um there's a kind of montage where the um the lore of Klaus kind of starts to snowball in the village. And it's not only the kids writing to Santa, it's them um realizing that they have to be on a nice list. Mm-hmm. And then they start to do the good deeds. And it's a whole montage where, like, you're, it's it's directed really well, where you're seeing them like fix a fence together with the other clan of kids, and then you're seeing, you know, a kid narrate his like, "I fixed a fence today, Santa. I did a really good job," and then you see the adults getting in on it, mm-hmm. where like that's the real turn, like, and it just it made me cry, <laughs> like, it's very similar to um, if you watch the show The Good Place. This idea that like even if you start doing good deeds for kind of an external reward reason, it ends up snowballing and you eventually just do the good deeds because it's nice and you feel good and it makes your community and world better. And just this one scene shows that so well and it's what the whole movie is about. But this montage was just very, very touching Mm -hmm. and very... um, yeah, I don't know what exactly I expected knowing going in that this was essentially like a Santa origin story. Um, I knew that there were going to be some heartstrings, but they did it in a way that 
was unexpected enough and yet predictable enough that yeah. it just hit the right place. I, that scene also has like one of my favorite uh, like visual jokes where um, a kid, uh, like one, one of the kids picks a bunch of berries mm. for uh, an, a, a different adult. Like mm-hmm. it's, oh, I can't, it's the Elling bees and the, Oh, anyway, that's better than I. Yeah, Ellen the two clans and something else. The but yeah, Crumps or crunch, it's, it's yeah. these two warring factions. So one kid from one faction picks berries and delivers them to a house of the other faction, mm-hmm. and so then the parent of, of oh the yeah, kid, this is a good like comes over and like she takes those berries and she makes a pie, and then gives it gives it like back. But like. But as like revenge, as like angry. Yeah, she's at the door like, take this pie, like Like is the expression on her face. (laughs) How dare you pick berries for me? Yeah. Here's a pie back. I don't owe you anything. You owe me something now. And like that goes back and forth a couple of times. And it's really, it's really funny. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like told completely visually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This movie does that really well. Yeah. In general. Thanks for expanding on that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have an additional scene shout out besides the berries? Yeah. <laughs> I do. We did see this movie a while ago. Oh, why? like two weeks ago. I think it might have been a week ago, but we've just watched <laughs> so many things that it feels like years. So, yeah, I, I guess my... Scene shout out will be um, it's okay. So there's a point. Nope, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I so I really, berries maybe. I really like this movie. I like that berry bit. I like the problem is I I'm like I think I'm mushing some scenes together. That yeah. I remember uh, uh, you know the reindeer flying. Mm-hmm. Like you said was was great. Yeah. I guess just there's there's like a chase scene at the end. Mm-hmm. There's like an action scene and it's just really well done. Mm. It's really easy to follow and it's a lot of fun. Uh so just that. I I think it's really easy to get carried away with the power of animation and make an action scene that is really ridiculous. And it doesn't necessarily mm. follow the rules of an action scene, mm-hmm. which I think uh, is important for your audience to know what's going on. And I think uh, Klaus does it really well. Nice. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. Yep. And that, that action scene also ends with a little bit of a Grinch reference and that the sleigh is like on this precipice of a cliff. That's true. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a pretty obvious reference and like there's no hiding that the most famous one of that is from how the grinch stole christmas but it's done in a way that speaking of famous can i just take a moment yeah i i have talked your ear off about this but kate are we talking about greg proops again we're do you want to talk about greg proops again no i'm just talking about uh (laughs) look you know dasher right Uh, you're familiar with dasher all right and uh, Donner and Comet and Cupid. You know all of these reindeer. But, Kate, do you know the most famous reindeer? Uh, no, I know all the reindeer, but the most famous one. Oh, so the most famous reindeer you don't know, but you know all the less famous reindeer. 
It's a lyric in that song that does not make sense. Yeah. Sorry, Dick. This is just your hill to die on forever and ever. Uh, Okay. Like me saying, the Peanuts characters are no fun, and they never have been, and they never will be. Kate, you know, know, of course, Clarabelle Cow and uh, Horace Horsecollar, but have you heard of Mickey Mouse? uh, I've heard of him a lot in the last 36 days. That's true. Um, All right, so let's move on to... Speaking of the most (laughs) famous... What about, Dick, you know Sally and Oogie Boogie and Uh uh, Jesper and Alva. Can you recall the most valuable player of all? Yes. MVP MVP. time. All right. Um, He was a most valuable figure, character, concept um, in discussing these three movies that you think needs to be shouted out. I've got two. All right. Uh. Number one, uh, sort of an honorary mention, is the uh, little kid in Klaus that just stares at Jesper while doing things. Uh-huh. Uh, she, at the beginning, stares at him while like stabbing a snowman. Oh, yeah, and she's then, like got a carrot gag. Like, yeah, a carrot and then at the gag, end, the she thing. like stares at him while putting in the carrot correctly. Yeah. But it's just like a very creepy stare very fun she actually reminded me of like a tim burton character yeah some of the visual designs especially of the town people were very like like smooth burton would be <laughs> yeah. how i describe them yeah. and i know that burton wasn't as involved with nightmare before christmas as some people yeah, well he didn't direct it he didn't direct it and he... apparently like according to the director he was there like Five times in two yeah. years. Like, like he, he produced it? He produced it and they put his name on it because they were trying to market it. Essentially, they, they released it under Touchstone, not under Disney. Um, oh, yeah. Because they thought, they're like, this doesn't match what we're doing on the children's side right now. Yeah. Let's release it as like, it's animated, but it's more for adults. And then attaching Burton's name on it, especially with Beetlejuice and yeah. Scissorhands and Batman. It was a good marketing move. Tim absolutely. Burton, who Disney fired for being too weird. For being too creepy. For being Tim Burton. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he made uh, for, the Frankenweenie yeah. short, which is like a 10, 15 minute short. It's basically a short version of the movie Frankenstein, but with a dog. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. And then it was made into like a full length animated movie. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they fired him because they were like this is too weird we were supposed to release this with like something else at the time it was mm-hmm. like supposed to be before little mermaid or something right like it was supposed to be before frank and weenie is yeah. that what you're saying yeah it was supposed to be before a more traditional disney movie more roger rabbit yeah and they were like oh no this yeah. is weird go away yeah. <laughs> and then they hired him back we to, will fire you to yeah. do more yeah yeah um uh, I am going to oh, hold up, hold oh. up, hold up. So your that, MVP so is my that little not girl the little is, girl. That okay. little girl is like my 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 runner up. Runner up. Um, I am going to give my MVP to J.K. Simmons. Ooh, uh, because he plays Klaus in mm-hmm. this movie, and he does a really good job of not not doing the J.K. Simmons thing. Yeah, like I think a lot of times he's cast to just. Do yeah. the J.K. Simmons thing. Yeah. Rah, rah, rah. And like he just gives a really, really nuanced, mm-hmm. really emotional performance. Mm. 
that makes me super invested in the character. Yeah. So J.K. Simmons is my MVP. Yeah, and the way his character unfolds from mm-hmm. like, nope, I'm not talking to you. I'm just doing like... I'm delivering this one toy. That's it. Yeah. Okay. I'm delivering these five toys. That's it. And the way he unfolds both in his, the amount of dialogue that he speaks and the warmth with, with which he delivers it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am going to maybe give, okay. This is just first response, free association. First response is the best response. Boop, boop, boop. Um, I'm going to give my MVP to Dr. Seuss. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> You, you, you could do that. Oh my god! I'm gonna. It, it's kind yeah. of like a a Rogers and Hammerstein award that like he starts this trend. So we've talked about the Grinch a lot in this episode that we didn't talk about. There is an animated Grinch movie. Yeah, we're not gonna watch it. That's not. <laughs> um, that's not this episode. That's not this episode. But we mentioned it in the way that like. Nightmare Before Christmas subverts the Christmas thing Mm -hmm. and it's this person who doesn't understand Christmas. And I think both in, you know, that one that one scene with the sleigh over the cliff, but also in like I I feel like I see how the Grinch stole Christmas in the little like the origin of coal in a stocking Mm -hmm. and the these little things that are just like, oh, that's a cute button. Where like it kind of reminds me of the Grinch's um like stealing toys scene where like just this little Rube Goldberg machine happens and all of a sudden he's got the whole garland of the tree. And it, yeah. like, it's just these really clever ways of doing really simple things that don't need to be in the movie, but like, it's like a like Christmas tree ornaments. Like, yeah. they don't need to be there, but if you hang them the right way, they really add more than you think they would. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to, to shout out Dr. Seuss for inspiring and um you know providing kind of a baseline for a christmas story that is not that is original yeah that is not just fleshing out some carol that already exists and i would i would argue that neither of these movies would exist without the Grinch. yeah that's i guess mostly what i'm saying like very strong influences Mm -hmm. in both Mm -hmm. yeah Nice. This one's for Seuss. This one's for Seuss. Cool. Dick, do you have a crossover idea between these two movies of any kind or nature? Uh, not yet. Do you? Uh, I would like to. Um, I, so okay, I think the Nightmare Before Christmas, in addition to a lot of things that I might change about it, needs a little bit of an anchor of like. This is what Christmas is, even if it's not a character who knows what Christmas mm. is. So I take the little um, Sami girl, that's the tribe, the yeah. Finnish tribe. Um, I take the little blonde haired, the Nordic girl. I put her in, like a lot of characters will have to be taken out of Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas. And I think Sally is supposed to kind of be the emotional heart, but it's not well executed. So I put, I put her in. Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas as like a let's get back to basics. This is what Christmas is. This is what the idea is. I would like to see her like just pop out of Christmas land into Halloween Town and Jack has to deal yeah. with like trying to take care of with, her. Uh, Monsters Inc. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I'm in. All right. That's great. <laughs> wow. Sequel. Yeah. It's a crossover sequel I'm to watching. Monsters Inc. and Nightmare Before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm watching it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. So 
my crossover is let's take uh klaus mm-hmm. uh let's switch let's do a santa santa swap santa swap, santa swap. Uh, so you get like yeah. this ultra serious, terrifying, giant Klaus in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. He would not look out of place. He would not look out of place. And then you've got uh, dopey, dopey Santa with his big old butt in, uh, in his tiny widow wigs uh, in Klaus. I don't know what the advantage is. I just Santa yeah, I swap. think Nightmare Before Christmas gets the advantage there. Yeah. Of it improves that movie, but you kind of get a yeah. I mean, Santa, flat Santa in the other one. Santa from uh, Nightmare would like just get his ass kicked in Smearinsburg. Yeah, although he's like pretty like he's tough at the end, where he's like, "You stop stealing Christmas, <clears throat> peace out." Like, mm-hmm. don't you ever do this again, you dummy. Yeah, I like that part. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Santa swap. Yeah. Dick, we are ready for our final, final cut. Cut? Yes. Wow. Which is, we take each of these movies one yeah. at a time. We decide whether to re-release it in 2019, whether we, almost 2020, whether oh. we special edition it in some way, so either altering the movie or changing its medium, Yeah. or do we vault it never to be seen or heard from again? Okay. What do we do oh, with, man. start chronologically, Nightmare Before Christmas? So, for Nightmare Before Christmas, it, d- it definitely doesn't get vaulted. I definitely don't turn it into an overlay for the Haunted Mansion that starts in October. Um, boy, what do I do with this? Like, it's pretty prime for a re-release. I, I think there is a charm... And we, we've talked about this a little bit. Um, no one is really a singer in this movie. Mm-mm. Catherine O'Hara's got some pipes, but I don't think she's singing notes. Ken Page. Ken Page, yeah. Who's okay, Oogie yes. Boogie. Yeah, Ken Page is Oogie Boogie. Great singer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Catherine O'Hara is singing notes I don't think are great for They're her. They're not in her range, no. And uh, Danny Elfman is doing his best audition for Phantom of the Opera. They're, but wait yeah they're not all they're not all singers and Danny Elfman is definitely not an actor either it's neat to hear him interpret his own music yes it is uh but yeah yeah I mean it's neat to hear uh Alan Menken interpret his own music sure but not in the movie yeah <laughs> so yeah if I was if I was gonna do anything I would I would like beef up this cast, um, and like get get some get some stronger singing voices, especially especially for Jack Skellington, because mm-hmm. um, it's not just not just singing ability, but the ability to act what you're singing. Well, and to leverage the musical notes that you are singing into your acting, yeah. Which I think because I feel like these performers do hit the emotional notes, which is most important. Yeah. But they could be, this is good music, they could be leveraging the vocal part to even more nail the emotion. And yeah. Yeah, I think that's what you're speaking to. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? Who would you cast as Jack Skellington? Ooh. Dreamcast um, of a dub. 
Who do I cast as Jack Skellington? Well, we want like kind of a similar vibe, uh-huh. right? Um, I sorry, I'm putting you on the spot here. No, I just came is, up with the question now. I'm like, ooh, this is fun. So, I would put Adam Pascal as anything. Okay. So I'd put him as Jack Skellington. Okay. He doesn't. It's not the same voice at all, but I like him a lot. Yeah. So I'd put him in there. Um, <clears throat> Alternatively, uh, you can't see his face, so you can't tell that he's smiling the entire time. <laughs> but I could see like a Norm Lewis. Norm. Uh, Norm Lewis, the smiliest Sweeney Todd I've he's ever so seen. so smiley. He was so happy. He was like, look, guys, I'm Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Amazing singer. Hack, hack, bad blood, at, blood. Bad at not being happy. Bad at not being... Well, he, did, he did a good job as Caiaphas. He did a great job. In NBC's Jesus Christ Superstar. That's he right. did a, such a good job not smiling. That's right. So proud until of him. The until, the like, ca- until the end. Until the curtain call. <laughs> uh, yeah, so those are... I don't know. Those are, those are my Yeah, because you would need someone who can do that kind of like younger i guess he's not really a young character but you need the vulnerability and you need him to be able to do like the pumpkin king yeah, kind so of maybe, thing maybe patrick page yeah but then the vault yeah i don't i yeah. i actually don't have an answer to my own question oh well, uh, yeah good thing you asked well Kate, who, would you, who would to, you cast you know what okay no <laughs> no i think in like 10 years um i think jonathan groff could do a good job I do. I you agree. roll your eyes. I do roll my eyes. But I think he would do a really good you job. You like Jonathan Groff way more He than surprises I do. me with different roles, right? Yeah. Like Melchior in Spring Awakening is like, oh, okay, I don't care. And then he does King George, and you're like, what? That was there too? Yeah. Um, he could do a lot of things. All right. And he, we know he can do a weird voice because he sings as a reindeer sometimes. So. What, what about your, uh, what about your boy? What about Norbert? Uh, Norbert would be like the mayor or something. Yeah. Oh, Norbert Leo Bus would be a good mayor. He would be really good. Oh. Yeah. Um, cool. So Nightmare Brief for Christmas, definitely a special edition. Um, there's not a reason, I don't think, to remake this movie. There's been talk of like a sequel or a live action remake. And Ooh. that just seems to, yeah, Dick. Kate, have you seen the walk around characters from this movie at disney world or disneyland i hope i haven't seen the most recent incarnation because i have seen a jack skellington that just looks monstrous it's hor- it doesn't not, look like not jack in a, skellington not in a halloween monster type yeah. of way it's like a weird it reminds me of like when disneyland opened in 1950s and like they did all the dwarfs but they didn't have mascot Mick, helmet technology Mickey Mouse's like head was everyone's like weirdly head is thin. shaped wrong oh and like Jack Skellington is just a circle. I don't know how they, get, but somehow they get it but terribly they put, wrong. Like, they like put a prosthetic on the dude's face. It's, it's so weird. It's horrifying. So live action would would be so live action would be bad. I mean, I don't know how you like. It's so stylistically also, unique yeah, and iconic that. Yeah. So here's what I'm gonna propose: um, video games now are a lot more like complex and nuanced than they used to be. So I think this could be like a first player, or not a first, what do you call first it? First person? First person video game. You are Jack Skellington. I am. Your missions, though, change on each level. Because first you're like, okay, I need to scare. Like, it's Halloween, I need to scare. That's level one. Second level, you're like, uh-oh, this is no longer giving me joy. 
I need to find like your second level is like finding the Christmas door. Yeah. Your third level is like figuring out what to bring back from Christmas town. Your fourth level is making Christmas. So, but like at near the end, you realize like, oh shit, like I am now the villain of this story. Mm. So that like you learn that lesson firsthand. So like you're, the gameplay is changing yes. as it goes to you are more taking on the role of like the the bad guy. Yeah. Cool. And you can choose whether to like keep hanging on to this. No, I will do Christmas or give up and be like, oh, I mangled this really badly. I need to fix. Yeah. Like I need to atone. Yeah. Um, and hopefully the players would cho- choose that. But that's yeah. it, there's there's um I don't know what the song's called because there are like forty songs in this movie. But um the song where Jack has been basically defeated where from he's delivering Christmas, lying in the arms of an angel of an angel in like a crucifix type position. It's like what is the you guys have symbolism. And you don't know what you're doing with symbolism. This song structure is all over the place. He's like, I think it's supposed to kind of like be like a manic, depressed kind of it's like so, back and forth. It's so wandering. But it goes on like six more back and forth than it should. And he he determines that he's mucked up Christmas. But then his takeaway is not, I shouldn't have stolen this in the first place. Mm. His takeaway is this, and it's meant to, I think, be triumphant that he like gets his mojo back as the pumpkin king. He's like, oh, this was a mistake in the first place for me personally. Yeah, I'm the pumpkin king, ta-da. But it reads like, um, it, it essentially reads like a white cis male taking the wrong lesson out yeah. of like a really eye-opening experience where it's like, oh, um, maybe I shouldn't have stolen uh, this country's music or holiday. Shoot, I'm a terrible person. It's like, well, I guess I learned my lesson and now I'm better for it. And that's the only thing and, I'm taking away from this. And the lesson is that I'm great at Halloween. I am great as I am. I'm the best person. Yeah. And to me, in with my perspective, in 2019, it reads very much like, oh, Jack has become the villain now. But then he, like, saves Santa from Oogie Boogie. Like, the movie has no awareness that I, Jack I is acting this, very villainously I want and this ending. atrociously. I want this ending where Jack is a villain. I yeah. Want, I want this movie. I think it would it be really cool. cool. So, so video game. Maybe, yeah. like, a VR experience. Oh. I don't know. But I think you could add a lot of interesting layers to it. Kit, what do you do with Klaus? I re-release it. Yeah. This is so good. I'm glad that it was in theaters. And I'm kind of, I I don't think it's still in theaters. I think it was a very limited run. But like, this is a movie that I I just saw it in the last week. I would go to it in theaters in the next week or two. Yeah. Um, because it's just, it's so beautiful and it's warming and it's funny. Yeah. I laughed out loud a bunch. I'm very excited for this movie to hopefully become a holiday classic mm-hmm. throughout the years. What about you, Dick? Uh, so I'm going to do a special edition, uh, and I'm going to reskin the Minions ride for, ho- for like, the <laughs> holidays. Um, no, I think, it was, I think it's really solid. I could release it as is. Uh, quick shout-out to Norm MacDonald, who we didn't mention. Oh, really, yeah. really great in this whole thing. He's, like, just Norm MacDonald as an animated character. He's used exactly perfectly. He's there to give the main character shit as he sets forth on his life in this yeah. new Smearinsburg. I guess, I guess like my, like if I was going to do a special edition, I'd, 
No, it's just a re-release. It's great. Yeah. Oh. yeah. There's cool. there's a pop song in this movie, and I, I don't mind. Yeah, I, I honestly, don't like when movies do that, yeah. but yeah, it's fine. I don't mind it. It's no. fine. Yeah. Cool. Hey, great. for Soulmates hey. Podcast. Oh, wait, uh, let's do a we, little wrap-up first. For Soulmates Podcast, uh-huh. we would like to thank you listeners yeah. for being here, for um, always giving us great ideas. We, we have like more recommendations than we kind of know what to do with at this point. And keep, keep on sending them. <laughs> no, seriously, it's great because yeah. we had um, a friend of the podcast, Britt, bring up Nightmare Before Christmas, and mm-hmm. she mentioned a couple really awesome pairings yeah. that we might do in future years. And then Klaus came up, um, but but she put Nightmare Before Christmas on our radar. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, it will be December. Like, yeah, and- <laughs> we do need to watch it, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we like we're so grateful. So if you would like to give us any pairings or like I would just love to hear you talk about this movie, yeah. find a pairing for it. We are Cellmates Podcast on Twitter, on Facebook, at gmail.com, regular.com. Mm-hmm. And we're on a whole slew of listening apps. So yeah. if you're telling your friends about us, uh, we're we're all over the place. Yeah, and of course rate and review. We we always appreciate it. it helps us climb the rankings and be seen. Yeah. Um, beat the algorithm. Yeah. Gotta beat cool. that algorithm. So, hey, for. Well, like, cheers. Oh, che- cheers. Cheers to a delirious Noel. Yeah. Uh, that's all. Is our next episode next year? Yeah. Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year next episode. Happy New Year next episode. Happy New Year's Eve this episode. I yeah. guess. Okay. Okay. For someone's podcast, I was Dick Ward. I'm Kate Phillips. Bye.